Hello, and welcome to the Chess Journal's Editor Highlights Podcast. Each month, Chess Editor-in-Chief Dr. Peter Mazzone highlights key articles from the current issue of the journal to help clinicians stay informed about new research in the fields of pulmonary, critical care, and sleep medicine. To introduce this month's episode, here is Dr. Peter Mazzone. Thank you for tuning in to the Editor's Highlight Podcast for the February 2024 issue of the journal Chast. We have a great lineup of content in this month's issue. Over the next 15 minutes or so, I'll provide a brief overview of key manuscripts published in each of our content areas. We'll start with our asthma content area. Remission has become a treatment goal of novel targeted biologic therapies for severe asthma. In this issue, Hansen and colleagues report findings of an observational cohort study using data from the Danish Severe Asthma Register to determine how often patients with severe asthma treated with biologic therapy achieve clinical remission and what factors predict response to treatment. Clinical remission was defined as a cessation of exacerbations and maintenance oral corticosteroids as well as normalization of lung function and an asthma control questionnaire six score of less than or equal to 1.5 following 12 months of treatment. They found that 21% of biologic naive patients had no response to treatment. Of the 397 with a clinical response, 97 or 24% fulfilled criteria of clinical remission. 19% of the entire population. A shorter duration of disease and lower BMI predicted remission. These findings help to define the expected response rate and clinical remission rate in patients with severe asthma treated with biologic therapy. Our chest infections content area is next. There are few reports of therapies for the treatment of patients with refractory mycobacterium obsessus pulmonary disease. In this issue, Im and colleagues report findings of a series of patients with mycobacterium obsessus pulmonary disease refractory to antibiotics for more than 12 months who were treated with intermittent multidrug IV therapy through repeated hospitalization. The IV antibiotics included amikacin, imipenem, and tigacycline. 36 patients with a median number of hospitalizations of two were included. At least one negative culture and culture conversion were found in 62% and 12% of those with mycobacterium obsessus pulmonary disease and in 80% and 60% of patients with mycobacterium Massillosense pulmonary disease, respectively. All patients noted symptomatic improvement, and 42 to 70 percent had radiologic improvement. No resistance was acquired. These findings suggest that intermittent multidrug intravenous therapy can be a beneficial palliative treatment for patients with refractory Mycobacterium obsessus pulmonary disease. Also in this section is an original research article assessing the AHL score for predicting mortality risk in patients with pulmonary tuberculosis. A prospective cohort study 
evaluating the association of glycated hemoglobin trajectories with treatment outcomes among pulmonary tuberculosis cases in India, and two research letters. The first evaluating the impact of sirolimus on anti-SARS-CoV-2 vaccination in patients with LAM, and the second describing the epidemiology of COVID-19-associated mucormycosis in the United States. On to our COPD content area. There have been few nationwide studies investigating whether pulmonary rehab impacts patient outcomes in COPD. In this issue, Choi and colleagues present data from a large Korean health insurance review and assessment service database to assess if pulmonary rehab implementation improves direct cost, exacerbation rate, and mortality in patients with COPD. Only 1.43% of patients with COPD received pulmonary rehab, though the direct medical cost was higher in those who received pulmonary rehab the incidence rate and frequency of moderate to severe and severe exacerbations was lower in the post-pulmonary rehab period. The time to first moderate to severe exacerbation was longer, and mortality was significantly decreased after pulmonary rehab implementation. These results show that pulmonary rehab contributes to improving outcomes in patients with COPD, highlighting the importance of insurance coverage. Completing this section is a chest review on the consideration and assessment of patient factors when selecting an inhaled delivery system in COPD. Next is our critical care content area. Norepinephrine has typically been administered through a central venous catheter. Several recent reports suggest that peripheral administration may be safe. In this issue, Yerk and colleagues report findings of a prospective observational cohort study designed to determine if a protocol for peripheral norepinephrine administration can safely reduce the frequency with which and number of days a central venous catheter is in use. In the 635 patients included, the median number of central venous catheter days avoided per patient was one. 51.6% never required a central venous catheter insertion. Extravasation of norepinephrine occurred in 35 patients, most causing no or minimal tissue injury. No patient required surgical intervention. These findings suggest that a protocol for peripheral administration of norepinephrine can help to avoid central venous catheter use without significant safety concerns supporting further evaluation of the net benefits of peripheral norepinephrine administration. Also in this section is an original research article evaluating the implementation of low tidal volume ventilation in North American and United Kingdom intensive care units, a research letter describing the effect of intra-arrest transport, extracorporeal cardiopulmonary resuscitation, and invasive treatment, and a chest review on the management of critically ill patients receiving medications for opioid use disorder. On to our diffuse lung disease content area. 
The effect of race-specific spirometry equations on the lung allocation score remains unknown. In this issue, Hidalgo and colleagues report findings from a retrospective analysis of patients listed for lung transplantation from 2005 through 2020 using data from the United Network for Organ Sharing to determine if the use of race-based spirometry equations led to longer wait times for Black patients. A total of 33,845 patients listed for lung transplantation were included in the analysis. White patients were listed at lower LAS scores and died on the wait list at lower rates. LAS scores based on white-specific equations led Black patients with interstitial lung disease to have a 1.9-point higher score, resulting in additional waitlist time. These results showed that race-specific equations led to longer wait times in Black patients, and race-based equations widened known disparities in lung transplantation. Also in this section is an original research article that presents a deep learning-based radiomic classifier for usual interstitial pneumonia, and a research letter that describes interstitial lung disease cases, prevalence rates, and trends among the U.S. states. Next is our education and clinical practice content area. Bronchial tree navigation and visualization is an early step to learning flexible bronchoscopy. In this issue, Cold and colleagues report findings from a randomized controlled trial in a standardized simulated setting that evaluated whether feedback from a bronchial segment identification system based on artificial intelligence improves novice bronchoscopists' end-of-training performance. The group that received feedback from the system during training performed significantly better on measures of diagnostic completeness, structured progress, and procedure time. These findings suggest that training guided by the AI system studied helps novice bronchoscopists perform more complete, systematic, and faster bronchoscopy procedures. Completing this section is an original research article that presents an evaluation of the double tracer gas single breath washout test in a pediatric field study. Our pulmonary vascular content area includes a research letter that explores risk stratification of pulmonary arterial hypertension and a chest review of thoracic applications of spectral CT. Now our sleep medicine content area. No studies have evaluated the influence of perceived racial discrimination on CPAP adherence for obstructive sleep apnea. In this issue, Wallace and colleagues report findings from a prospective study of 78 participants designed to determine if Black adults with obstructive sleep apnea perceive greater amounts of discrimination than non-Hispanic white adults. To determine if perceived discrimination is associated with poorer CPAP adherence and to determine whether perceived discrimination mediates the relationship between self-identified Black race in CPAP usage. 60% of Black adults reported that they experienced racial discrimination at least a few times each year, 
self-identified black race was associated with fewer hours of mean daily CPAP usage at 30 and 90 days. A one-unit change in the total discrimination score, meaning more discrimination, was associated with a decrease in CPAP usage. These results suggest adults with obstructive sleep apnea who encounter racial discrimination experience a greater decrement in CPAP usage. Next is our thoracic oncology content area. The association of epidemiologic and sociodemographic changes with lung cancer related to residential radon, solid fuels, and particulate matter is not well understood. In this issue, Liu and colleagues evaluated data from the Global Burden of Disease 2019 to investigate the relationship between age-standardized mortality rate, or age-standardized disability-adjusted life years rate, and sociodemographic index in 21 regions, including five countries with different sociodemographic indices. A Bayesian age period cohort model was used to predict the age standardized mortality rate from 2020 to 2030. The disease burden attributed to the three pollutants was most severe in the middle sociodemographic index quintiles, in older adults, and in men. The highest age standardized mortality rate attributable to particulate matter was at a sociodemographic index of 0.7. As the sociodemographic index increased, the disease burden caused by radon increased, whereas the burden caused by solid fuels decreased. Projections suggest a rise in death burden from particulate pollution in China, India, and Uganda over the next decade. These findings highlight the influence of sociodemographic index sex, and age on air pollutant-related lung cancer. Completing this section is a systematic review and meta-analysis of the accuracy of cytological versus histological specimens for assessment of pdl one expression in non-small cell lung cancer. I encourage you to read our Humanities in Chest Medicine section, where you'll find a Vantage article titled Cultivating Chaplaincy in Critical Care, Practical Strategies for Incorporating Chaplains into the ICU Team. Finally, please review our case series publications for the month, which provide novel and educational cases to help improve your clinical skills. I hope you enjoy reading all the high-quality content available in this month's issue of CHEST. As always, I am grateful to the authors of this work, the reviewers who volunteered their time to improve the quality of these manuscripts, and to our editorial board for guiding everything that we do. Until next month, I hope you enjoy the February issue. Thanks for listening to the Chess Journal's Editor Highlights podcast. You can find the articles mentioned in this podcast and more on chessjournal.org. And if you're looking for more context and commentary on articles in the current issue, please check out the original Chess Journal podcast, which features in-depth discussions with the authors themselves. We'll be back again with more Editor's Highlights next month.